Welcome to the Gifted to Give podcast. I am Brother Gian. If you're new to podcasting, you're in the right place. I can't wait to share to all of you how wonderful God is as we celebrate the 500 years of Christianity in the Philippines. Good day, listeners. We have once again Monsignor Achilles Dakai as he will preach and teach to us the good news of the gospel for this Sunday, October 24, 2021. We have a great number of listeners, downloads, and interactions. We at Gifted to Give Podcast would like to thank everyone for their support. And now, without further ado, please join us in welcoming Monsignor Achilles Dakai. beginning to end like this time we are supposed to read St. Mark chapter 10 during his last verses from 46 to 52 we must read through then pray it in that's why we have been reflecting on the same Sunday gospel then Write it down. Try to highlight what points you want to reflect on. Then, work it out in real life. That's what we mean by realizing it. And pass it on. I repeat, I want you to remember this. Read it through. Pray it in. Write it down, work it out, and pass it on. We have been trying to pass this on through our podcast anyway. So this is it. We are now trying to read, reflect, and realize the Gospels assigned for this 30th Sunday in ordinary time, next Sunday. Mark, Matthew, and Luke. You will see how beautiful it is if we see and drive home a point of what I call convergence. Why the three Gospels or three evangelists, they meet at this point. So, before anything else, let us pray. Almighty Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may read with faith, reflect on with hope, and uh, realize it with uh, love following your only begotten son from whom we find uh, freedom fulfillment and the future with for you forever amen in the name of the father son the holy spirit amen so we now read as we open our own bibles but we we listen to the reading by our Sicilian Mark 10 and the last verses 
of chapter 10. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight, and followed him on the way. Thank you, sister. This particular gospel according to St. Mark has its parallel texts in Matthew chapter 20 as well as in St. Luke chapter 18. But it is only St. Mark who has named this blind beggar Bartimaeus. Bar means son of Timaeus. Bar is like Mac Donald, son of Donald. Bar is like Van de Steen, son of Steen, or De La Cruz, son of the cross. You see, before we had no family names. We were only known as children of the father of him. That's why Simon Peter was also called Bar Jonah, the son of Jonah. Anyway, the usual and the traditional homilies on this gospel are many. I refer you to them. But I look for one point of convergence between this gospel as well and be between Matthew's and Luke's gospel. I invite you to focus your attention, your reflection on just what Jesus said to Bartimaeus here, to that scribe there, or to the Pharisees here. That's only the point which I also consider a point of relevance for our daily living. Jesus said to this blind man, Go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately we ask, what is the faith that has saved 
Bartimaeus. Save him from what? Obviously, he was saved from his blindness. But more than that, Bartimaeus, because of his faith in Jesus, first, he only heard about Jesus, David, or Jesus of Nazareth. But later on, but later on, when face to face with Jesus, his faith grew big enough so that when Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want to see again. In other words, he was not born blind. He was blinded later on, but that's not my point. My point is, how does his faith that has grown from simple hearing and now has become trust. He trusted so much the presence and power and providence of Jesus and that saved him not only from blindness, from sickness, but also his faith has set him apart from others. That faith of his has made him different from others. That faith has made him holy. That's what is meant by the word holy. Remember that leper, Samaritan leper, who realizing that he was healed on the way, immediately returned to Jesus. And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Not only saved you from leprosy, but has set you apart from the nine who later on thanked Jesus, but that is not the point. Salvation, therefore, is right here and now. When we are saved, we are sanctified, we are made holy now. We are made different from others. We are set apart from others. That's why we say that God is holy, 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 very holy, very separate from us, very set up from us. That's how acts of faith set us apart from others and make us holy. This Bartimaeus precisely with faith that was growing, increasing to become trust, said I want to see again, and Jesus said, you go. His faith, when he saw Jesus finally, when his sight was restored, he followed Jesus on his way, not on your way, but on his way. That's the nice thing about this act of faith by Bartimaeus that has set him apart from others and now has made him go with Christ on his way. Let us take a look at the cycle A gospel according to St. Mark. St. Mark, I mean St. Matthew this time, 
has recorded an incident in the life of Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the scribes, as you know, were always testing our Lord. So they sent a scribe. A scribe is a Jew who volunteered to copy, to copy by hand the first five books of the Bible we call the Law of Moses. After so many times copying the same law, they became scholars of the law. They became experts of the law. They could memorize the law. That's why this scribe approached Jesus and asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered him beyond the question. In other words, he not only cited love of God from Deut Deuteronomy and love of neighbor in Leviticus, but he joined both of them so much so that he said, useless one without the other. This is the nice thing about what Jesus said. You are not far from the kingdom of God. You have been copying the law. You have memorized the commandments. But I'm telling you, you have to do more than just copy and memorize the commandments. Because you cannot love God without loving your neighbor. And you cannot love your neighbor without loving God. So that's the nice thing about it. When he said, if you go to St. Luke, the parallel text of this, Jesus said, do this and life is yours. You are still very far from heaven, from kingdom of God. If you do this and do more, remember that young man who asked to inherit eternal life and Jesus said, okay, you have observed the Ten Commandments from your youth. Now I tell you one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. And that's the one thing that this scribe had to do aside from copying and memorizing the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Cycle C, Gospel according to St. Luke. It's only St. Luke who has recorded this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Again, our focus is on what Jesus said. After telling the parable about those two guys who went to the temple to pray, we learn nothing from the Pharisee. We learn something from the tax collector. What did Jesus say? He said to the Pharisees, this man, this tax collector, went home justified. His action, his humility, standing 
at a distance from the altar, saying very sincerely, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am a sinner. So here we have his faith in Jesus has saved him not only from being a sinner, but he has set him apart from all other tax collectors. We have Matthew who did the same. We have Zacchaeus who did the same. So here we have Jesus then has been asked for mercy. So here on three occasions, Jesus showed himself the divine mercy. At Mass, at every Holy Mass that we celebrate, we make mention of this word mercy. You know how many times? Twelve times. And I would like to call your attention to just three times during the Mass when we invoke divine mercy because I would like to challenge all celebrants to precisely make it loud and clear. For example, when we say, by the help of your mercy, Lord, may we be always free from sin and safe from all distress. See, we are asking our Lord to be merciful to us so that we may be free from sin and from all distress. Distress is caused by dangers, diseases, difficulties, and deaths. Therefore, that portion of the Mass, I hope every priest would say that loud and clear for all of the congregation to hear because we are begging the divine mercy that we be saved not only from sin but also from distress now on earth now that we are the militant church still fighting against sin and against distress then we have therefore to pause a while on this and say what we mean or what we hear from the celebrant by the help of your mercy, Lord. And then within the Mass, again we hear the celebrant say, Remember, Lord, our brothers and sisters who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Who are they? Who are they? The souls in purgatory. We believe that God has been merciful to them and though they have to be cleansed therefore their souls in purgatory. 
That's what we prayed for. And we should, I repeat, hear it clearly from the priest that we already pray for the souls in purgatory at Mass, at this portion of the Mass, when we ask Jesus to remember our brothers and sisters who have died in your mercy. Then finally, we, within the Mass, we also hear the priest say, have mercy on us all, O Lord, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with the Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life. If the souls in purgatory are the church, the suffering church, those who are heirs of eternal life are the triumphant church. So within the Mass, we are invoking the divine mercy for us, militant church, for those in purgatory, the suffering church, and for those in heaven, the triumphant church. So you see, there is a point here that we have now to realize. We have to apply to our daily living. How are our acts of faith saving us? How are our acts of faith saving us not only from sin, from sickness, and also from distress, etc.? So this is a challenge, I repeat, for all of us priests to please say it loud and clear. These three instances, when we pray for ourselves, when we pray for others in purgatory, and we pray for those in heaven. So here, I pause for some of your reflections and questions on this matter again within within the holy mass so that when we understand what we are saying or what we are hearing at mass we may go forth with such faith hope and charity at home and at work so here I am inviting you to really try to pray it in, to reflect on this. How does the divine mercy react to what we are saying, what we are praying for? Good morning, Monsignor. Good morning. Thank you for having explained to us what Jesus said to the blind beggar. Your faith has saved you. My question is, what acts of faith can save us here and now? Good question. Remember therefore, huh? salvation is here and now. 
we are being saved when we are set apart from others by our acts of faith. Every time, therefore, that we go to church or every time we pray, that act of faith should make us holy, should make us different, should make us set apart. At Mass, you hear the priest say, it is right and just our duty and our salvation to thank God always and everywhere. That alone should really be not only memorized, but understood well. Salvation, setting us apart from others, sanctifying us, making ourselves holy now, here. When we are separated from others, segregated from others for what good we have been trying to be and to do, that is holiness. That is sanctifying, salvific, we call it. Monsignor, yeah. November 2 is fast approaching. How do we pray for the souls in purgatory okay. when we visit their tombs on cemeteries? That's good. Good question because November 2 is fast approaching. We might as well understand now what acts of faith shall we perform for the souls in purgatory. By the way, when we die, our body is separated from our soul. Our body, we either cremate it or we bury it, but the soul goes somewhere else, we say, in the hand of God. If they have died in God's mercy, because if only divine justice, we could have gone down. But God's mercy has precisely brought those souls in purgatory. By the way, huh? let us refrain. Let us stop calling the day, November 2, Kalag, hyphen Kalag. Because in Cebuano, a hyphenated word is not true. For example, kasing, hyphen kasing. Kasing, kasing is not kasing. Pari, hyphen pari, pari, pari. Oh, puyo, hyphen puyo, puyo, puyo. Therefore, don't let us call the All Souls Day in Purgatory as Kalag, piping Kalag, because they are all souls. Those in Purgatory are real souls. Those in Hell are real souls. Those in Heaven are real souls. So do not call them Kalag, hyphen Kalag. I repeat, no wonder they come out with ghosts. 
usapan ng anong uban yung Halloween, etc. But no, we are praying for the souls in purgatory who are the suffering church. You ask, how do we pray? Aside from Mass, let us mean what we hear and what is said. Welcome them into the light of your face. Take them now to heaven, purified, cleansed already from imperfections. So you may further ask, who are the souls who are, have died in God's mercy and are in purgatory? What can make us land in purgatory? I have said this many times before. You may be doing a good work of mercy, giving alms to the poor. But when you give alms to the poor, there are times we are tempted to say a few bad words, like, Oh, kamay pa ni Muglawas? Hindi magkamatrabaho. Tapulan ni Mooy? Ay nagbalik, ha? All those words of yours will make your act of mercy imperfect. That will make you land in purgatory. Those are the imperfections that we are cleansed of in purgatory. Again, you may be asked, why purgatory? Because we read in the Bible that there are sins that cannot be forgiven here or there. If there is a sin that can be forgiven there, then there must be a place where they can be forgiven. But the sin against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven here on earth nor there in purgatory. But that's one proof that there is a place where imperfections are cleansed and we call it purgatory. Let us therefore remember that in the olden times in the provinces, eight o'clock in the evening, the church bells are rung to remind us of precisely the souls in purgatory and say a prayer or two for them. What is our prayer? Welcome them, Lord, to the light of your face. We say, requiescant in pace. May they enjoy the fruits of their good works etc. when you welcome them. Monsignor, yeah. November 1 is All Saints Day. Do we still pray for them and what for? Okay, again, good that you are reminding us of the coming Feast of All Saints. November 1 is the Feast of All Souls. All Souls who have died, they are what we call in the Mass the brothers and sisters of ours who have fallen asleep, who have fallen asleep. All good people 
like Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, like that little girl, daughter of Jairus. They did not die, they just fell asleep. And we mean that they, are go, they go straight to heaven. Their souls go straight to heaven. And what do we pray for then? <laughs> Remember, Lord, your brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection. They are still souls <coughs> in heaven as of now. We believe only Jesus Christ has a body and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Only the two of them have spiritualized bodies. All the other souls we call saints will be given their bodies at the resurrection at the end of time. So that's what we pray for. Aside from congratulating them that they have been co-heirs of eternal life already, we ask them, we do not pray to them, no, we pray only to God. <coughs> we pray to God through the saints in heaven that we be, that they be also good examples for us on earth. So as the triumphant church, the saints in heaven are also intercessors for us. So we pray not anymore that they be saved from sin because they are already in heaven, but we pray for to God that they be given their proper bodies at due time. Grateful times, Monsi. It is only now that I realize clearly the three groups of churches, the militant, the suffering, and triumphant, asking for and praising the mercy of God. <coughs> this makes me more passionate and will enjoy attending the Holy Mass. Thank you again. Ah, very good. So that's what we are trying to, to do. I repeat, we are not preaching here. We are only studying. So remember again, uh, the five rules for Bible study. I want you to write this down. Read it through, pray it in, Write it down, work it out, and pass it on. You must not keep what you already know here. We must share it with others, and that's what we are trying to do here. You make me realize the sweetness of the meaning of each word uttered by the priest in the Holy Mass. Thank you again. So I repeat, this is a challenge to every celebrant or presider to take time to pronounce loud and clear the sacred text at the Mass so that those of us who attend 
Mass. Actually, we do not just attend. We celebrate Mass together with the priest. We feel what we hear and we mean what we say. When the Mass is ended, wow, we are filled with faith, hope, and charity. By these acts, we are made holy. We go back home, made different, set apart from others. Nyar, why was the blind man rebuked when he wants to go near or call the Lord? I find it uncanny for the disciples or apostles to do it. Which one? Again? Why was the blind man rebuked when he wants uh -huh. to go near? Okay, to yeah. This is only in St. Mark. St. Mark, who was not an apostle, would also like to present to us the apostles. Matthew is one of the apostles. That they were not good all the time. There were times that the apostles themselves tried to scold a person who approaches Jesus. Remember those parents who brought with them their children so that Jesus may, might touch them. Again, the apostles tried to prevent them, but they had a reason, actually. At that time, children were not to be seen nor to be heard. At that time, it would be a waste of time to attend to children. That's why the apostles here were somehow right in preventing the children. But Jesus had an order of priorities. He was not, therefore, he was not agreed with the apostles in scolding the man. That's why here, when Bartimaeus was shouting, and the apostles tried to scold him, keep him quiet. Jesus heard that. But look what Jesus did. The very same apostles who scolded Bartimaeus and made him keep quiet, the same apostles were ordered by Jesus, call him. Call him, imagine that. And they themselves said, the master is calling you, you get up. <laughs> so you see, they had a reason, they had a reason to rebuke Bartholomew, Bartimaeus because what they were calling, what he was calling Jesus as son of David was a, a, a phrase that was not well understood by all, afraid that Jesus would be a, a, a rebel against the government or somehow a military leader. So they said, don't say that. But Jesus looked at him from a different angle, under different aspect. And so he applied 
to this man his divine mercy. As I have been saying, the usual and traditional homilies can be preached on this gospel according to St. Mark about Bartimaeus from different angles, different aspects, and for different applications. I tell you there are many. I read a gospel, a homily on why Bartimaeus became blind and how are we blinded ourselves by what we have been saying or doing. Is the act of kneeling not only accorded to God who we adore? How come we also kneel when we ask intercession from the saints? Again? Is the act of kneeling, kneeling not only accorded to God who we adore? How come we also kneel when we ask intercession from the saints? Okay. Kneeling, of course, falling on our knees is an act of worship. When we, therefore, ask a saint, we bow, we fall on our knees with all humility, ask him to pray for us. It's the same when we bow to a, to a priest, we actually bow to God and hoping that what we ask, the intercession we ask for any person that we meet with authority, that God may grant us what we ask for with humility before any priest. In the confessional, remember, it is God of mercies that has reconciled the world to himself through the death and resurrection of Christ and has sent the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness and through the ministry of the church, the priest just absolves the penitent from his or her sins so that when one goes to confession, inside the confessional, he or she should come out joyful, rejoicing, exalted, like this tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, who was exalted, meaning he was justified, meaning he was placed in a proper place for him. Justice is when there is a place for everyone and everyone is in his or her place. A humble man is placed where the exalted are. And the pride, the pride ones are also placed where the humble, the humiliated ones are. Remember, at every Mass we celebrate, we should try to be listening 
to what is read, what is preached, what is said at Mass. We do not read missals anymore. So printed leaflets about the Mass should not be read at Mass. They are supposed to be taken home and there we read it again. At Mass we are supposed to be standing, seated, kneeling, but open eyes and open ears all the time. That way Mass becomes the center and the circumference of your everyday life. Please repeat Bible study guideline. Thank you. Read it through. Read it through one. Pray it in. Reflect on. Write it down. Highlight whatever phrases you want to meditate on. Work it out in real life and pass it on. Share with others what you have read and reflected on. That's what we have been trying to do for all its worth, as I have been saying. What can we answer to the question? Why do you ask the intercession of the saints? Is your God not enough to help you? Thank you, Mons. Stay healthy. We love you. The oldest saints in heaven, some of them have been beatified. Some of them have been canonized, meaning the church has made certain that indeed they are in heaven. But I'm sure there are so many souls in heaven that have not been beatified or canonized. They are our intercessors. That's why Santos Ngasangay, if we have saints bearing our names, we should have special connection or relationship with him. But we do not pray to saints, no. We ask them to pray for us. Even the Blessed Virgin Mary, we do not pray to her. We pray to God through her. We ask her, Sangpit palihog ng amuyo tani Maria aron iya tang iampo. So we have uh, said enough on this matter. I hope this has somehow enlightened you about divine mercy at Mass. I have said about 12 times we repeat, we hear the word repeated 12 times and we should understand very well what is meant when the priest says those portions in other dioceses, like those of Pasig and Manila, intentions for the Mass are no longer read to the public. Mm -hmm. it, intentions for the Mass, thou, mm -hmm. are not read anymore to the public. Sa Pasig and Manila. Okay. It is already mm -hmm. enough 
that the intentions are already on the list and the priest celebrate is not obligated to read them in public. This is according to a pastoral decree of the bishop of the place. Masuko giyod Masuko giyod ang mga tao kundili mabasa ang ilang intentions. Okay. Do you think priest celebrant is a, in our archdiocese is obligated to read the intentions for the particular mass? The intentions for a mass, if there are names to be named, must be heard in the prayers of the faithful. If we intend to pray for someone sick or dead, his or her name should appear in the prayers of the faithful. No need to read give a special space to read the intentions. After all, it is only the priest who must have the intention to pray, and then we ask our fellow men, the prayers of the faithful, to pray for them. We should be educated because there are some on God. There are some who want you to hear their names read, mentioned, or else the priest, no, we trust the priest. We trust the priest that he has read the intention, but more specifically should be mentioned in the prayers of the faithful. And by the way, speaking of prayers for the dead, it has been my conviction that once a funeral mass in church or in the parlor funeral parlor. Once a funeral mass is said, if only it is well celebrated and well attended, nothing follows after it. There should be no more prayers for the dead if mass has been said for him. If there are no masses celebrated, then you can go on with your prayers because the Mass is the most valuable means of praying for the dead. So as long as it's well celebrated by the presider and for those who are attending it, that should be enough. That's what I say after this Mass, nothing follows. So we may be able to say much. Is it proper to ask our departed souls to pray for us? The? Our departed souls to pray. It is proper to ask our departed souls the to souls, pray for us. The souls in purgatory are already suffering we should rather help them instead of asking them to help us remember the souls in purgatory 
are helpless. We ask God to welcome them into the light of his face. And that's enough that they are still far from heaven, from the vision, beatific vision. When you go to the cemeteries to visit the tombs where the bodies of our departed are found, we should do more for the souls that are not there, for the souls that are in another world already. So let us try to understand what should we do, what should we bring to the cemetery on All Souls Day. I'll try to explain that next Sunday. So, Monsignor, it would be best that any novenas for the dead should be said before the Mass? Yeah, yeah, no. Any novena for the dead should be said before the Mass? The priest, of course, has, is given the, the name of the person for whom the Mass is needed. But I repeat, if you want to hear his or her name mentioned, include that in the prayers of the faithful. In the prayers of the faithful, then everybody should hear their names mentioned but not anymore during the Mass. So here we pause for our final blessing. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you again. And see you next Friday, God willing. Wow, that was an amazing talk given by Monsignor Achilles Dakai. We are so grateful for the Lord for sending Monsignor Dakai to share God's Word to all of us. We would like to thank again Monsignor Achilles Dakai and also to our heartfelt gratitude goes to all of you who joined, interacted, and asked a question for Monsignor Dakai. Hear more from Monsignor Dakai again next weekend. This is once again the Gifted to Give podcast for your ears only. I am Brother Gian signing off. Have a blessed Sunday to all and to God be the glory. You have just listened to the Gifted to Give podcast. 
with your host, Brother Gian, Brother John, and Father Jojo. Catch our next episode. This episode of the Gifted to Give podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to our Facebook page at 500 Years of Christianity, Archdiocese of Cebu. If you love the Gifted to Give podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review everywhere you listen to your podcast. Till next time, 